Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real life Christian church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. This is kind of a bridge message, and there's four things we need to understand about joy. Or four, actually four parts. Number one, we have to understand what joy is. And number two, why Satan wants to steal it. And number three, how he steals it. And number four, what we can do about it. And when we apply all those things, it can make a real difference in how we live our lives. Now, here's what I don't believe. I mean, the title of this message is, Don't Let Satan Steal Your Joy. I don't believe Satan is responsible for all the negatives in my life. You got to know that. I, I am not on a Satan kick. I don't think he's responsible for all the negatives in my life. There's a lot of preachers who would like you to believe that. But I look at Romans 7:19, and the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, the, and he's talking about the struggle within him in Romans 7, 19. He says, the good that I want to do, I don't. And the evil I don't want to do, that's what I do. Why? Why does he do the evil he doesn't want to do? Because of, and this is the New American Standard translation, because of the sin principle in me, he says. Because of the principle of sin working in me, see? See, my life and your life gets messed up, not because of demonic attacks so much. I'm not saying they don't attack us, but not so much because of demonic attack. But your life and my life gets messed up because we sin in thought, word, and deed, folks, and sin has consequences. And of course, the Father forgives our sins for Jesus' sake. He paid for those sins. And, and, and the Father will work through those consequences with us and try and train us and teach us something, but we will still suffer the consequences of our own sin. We mess up our own lives by our sin, by our fallen nature, and don't blame Satan, see? Satan doesn't. I, I, I listen, so many people attribute everything to Satan. I rebuke you, Satan, in Jesus' name, and all that stuff. Well, most of the stuff doesn't happen because of Satan. I don't attribute much to the devil. But I do believe that the devil wants to destroy the works of God. And you and me are the work of God. And if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, man, you've been born again through the Word of God, and God the Holy Spirit lives in you, and you have potential to do great things, and we're going to see later that demons watch you, and they know you have the potential to do great things, and they're going to try and shut you down. See, demon, when you want to do things for the kingdom of God, when you want to witness to somebody, when you want to move the kingdom of God or make a difference in somebody's life for Jesus Christ, they're going to do everything they can to steal your joy and to steal your witness. I'll tell you, they're, they're, their demons are organized to keep you from bringing about the good that you are capable of. And John 10.10, 10. and our Lord here is talking about false prophets. He's talking about false prophets, and he says, the thief, that's the false prophet, or the false teacher comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and have it to the fuller, have it more abundantly. So the false prophet through whom Satan works comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. See, and Jesus says, by contrast, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. So here's what we have to know. Don't let Satan steal your joy. We have to define joy. This is the first thing we have to know. What is biblical joy? See, you, you know this, you've heard this before. It's not euphoria, it's not happiness, because, because happiness depends upon what's going on in your life, right? So it's not happiness, because you're happy when the family's healthy, you're happy when the bills are paid, when the job's secure. Jesus talks about joy in John chapter 15, 
And this is verse 11. He says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I've told you this, that see, he's talking about that my joy, and that's the kind of joy we want to have. That my joy is in you and that your joy is complete. So what kind of joy is that? I, 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 I study this stuff, man, and I look through Greek lexicons, and that's a Greek dictionary, and I look up all the references to joy I have time to do, and I look up those references to joy in the Word of God and try and put it all together and come out with a definition. And as I look at this, as I study this word for joy, the, the Greek word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, um, I come up with this, that, that biblical joy is a stability and this is the joy that Satan wants to steal. It's, a, it's a stability at the core of our being that's unshakable, absolutely unshakable. And we demonstrate that joy or that stability when we keep positive. See, it, it comes out externally when we keep positive and we can smile and maybe even laugh when the steel fabricating plant you've been working at for 30 years says we're closing down, we're moving to Little Rock, Arkansas, and you can come down to Little Rock and work for us. You always got a job if you want to move down there, but your kids and your grandkids and everything you love is here. But you can have, but you see, you still got joy. And you say, we will make it. We will pay these bills. You know, something else joy is. Joy might be this. You thought you were the one. You were the one. And now he or she is um, seeing someone else. <laughs> and you discover you are not the one. And you can say to yourself, you can look at that, and you can say to yourself, okay, God has a better plan. Or maybe you were just a social dud. You know, you got to change some things in your life. But you can say, God has a better plan. God has a better plan. That's joy. See, folks, all the circumstances of your life don't have to be right for you and me to have joy. See, joy is centered. I'll tell you where joy is centered. It's, it's centered in the security, the assurance I have of salvation, the assurance you have of salvation. I got to tell you the source of my joy. And again, see, this is not dependent on circumstance. The source of my joy is my relationship to God, my Father, and His Son, Jesus Christ. Because the Father chose me, folks, for salvation before He ever created me. So the Father chose me. He led me by the Holy Spirit to place faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, for salvation. And Jesus gave His life for me. I cost God. See, that's the source of my joy. When you think like that, it all begins in the mind. I cost God. I cost him dearly. He did that for me. I, I, I am so loved by God, and he will never, ever, ever let me go. And sometimes we think God will let us go, see. I divorced him or her. Or I slept with him or her, and it was adultery. When the opportunity was there to make a statement for Christ, I did the opposite. I was just like Simon Peter, man. And I denied him because I was afraid. I was afraid of what people would say. I was afraid of what people would think and so on. And you begin to think like this. See, you begin to think, I gave my life to Christ. I was saved once. But God doesn't want me now. Not like this. So I have to improve. You know, I've got to earn God's favor by being better. I've got to keep myself saved and see where you are now. You're right back. Of course you want to be better. You always want to improve. But right now, you're trying to earn God's favor by your improvement. Man, you are right back to work righteousness, man. And I'll tell you something. When you start thinking like that, you know, God doesn't want me like I am. And I have to somehow earn. I've got to be better to earn his favor. Man, you, you, your theology is so upside down when you start thinking like that. Your theology is so skewed, man. I mean, that's right out of hell. You've lost, you, you haven't lost your salvation when you're thinking like that. Not if you committed to Christ, but I'll tell you what you've lost. You've lost your joy. 
And if that's you, here's the truth you've got to listen to in John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verses 27 to 29. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one, no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. And then he says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my father's hand, because I and the father are one. What, 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 a, what a precious truth, man. You're in the father's grip, you're in the son's grip. They both have a hold of you, and they are one at the same time. And you are his sheep. Did you see that word never? They will never perish, neither will anybody ever snatch them out of my hand. You've got to understand something. God didn't create us to live in fear. He forgave our sins. He gave us eternal life, and that's a settled issue. God gave you faith in his son, Jesus Christ. He forgave your sins. He gave you the gift of, he's already given you the gift of eternal life, and all that is a settled issue, see? And now God says, let's get on with the process of sanctification, and that's making your life like the life of my son. Your salvation is a settled issue. And see, once you own that, and you're not worried about that. You're not worried about losing your salvation. Then you can go on with sanctification, which is letting the Spirit work in you and through you to become more and more and more like Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 35 to 39. For those who think they can lose their salvation, just listen to these tremendous, tremendous words. Romans 8, beginning in verse 35. Who or what shall separate us? You know what, Paul, i got to say this, just to introduce these words. Um, there are people who feel that God's going to let go of them. And Paul pondered this same issue, too. And, and the Holy Spirit of God inspired him to write this. Who or what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? I mean, just think of it, all those things. No, and all these things were more than, more than conquerors, more than conquerors through him who loved us. Christ's victory is ours. Look at verse 30, 38. For I am convinced. See, God wrote this. I didn't. Listen to what Paul writes. God, God wrote this through Paul. The Spirit of God wrote this through Paul. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, the present, the future, any powers, height, depth, anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, take that home with you. That's joy. That's stability at the core of your being. Joy is not having it all together because this dude doesn't have it all together. But I have joy. And my joy is in my relationship to Jesus Christ. To have joy, you got to know where you're going. You got to be secure in that. You got to know you're on the road to heaven. You will see Jesus. And on the road, on that road, man, to your eternal life that you will have if you're a believer, on that road, God will allow difficult times. We all love Psalm 23. David says, Yea, though I walk, King James, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So what's he saying? Sometimes God's going to lead you into dark valleys for your own good. See? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's a dark valley. God's going to lead you into dark valleys for your own good. But thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. See, David was so aware of the rod and the staff, the power and the presence of his God. He knew where he was going. He had to go through some dark times, but through it all, his God was with him, working all this to his good out of life. There was reason and purpose and direction to the dark times, but his rod and his staff are going to be with you. Now, the big question is, do you believe that? 
See, please hear me. When you have this joy, you're not destroyed by what comes into your life because you know, you know life is moving God's direction. You will be forever with him and God has you in his grip. So you can honestly laugh and smile and talk about how good God is. See, joy is an internal thing. And this is where it differs from peace to a degree. It's an internal thing. It's that stability at the core of your being. It's rooted in Christ and your relationship to him. Then it becomes external. Because you should be smiling a lot, and you should be laughing a lot, and you should be talking a lot about how good God is. That's the external manifestation of the internal joy that's in you. And you should talk about how good God is when you lose a job, and talk about how God sustains you when you lose a husband or wife. People should see it on your face. They should hear it in your voice. Let me read you what the greatest preacher of all time next to Jesus himself wrote. And that's by common consensus, too. Most people believe the greatest preacher of all time next to the Lord himself is Charles Spurgeon. And Spurgeon wrote this. He said, My desire is that all those who hear of my great deliverance from hell and my most blessed visitation, that's the moment of faith, will laugh for joy with me. Notice, laugh for joy with me. I want to surprise my family with my abundant peace. I want to delight my friends with my ever-increasing happiness, see? I want to edify the church with my grateful confessions. Good stuff is coming out of his mouth, see? And even impress the world with the cheerfulness of my daily conversation. That's the joy, that Satan wants to steal. That's the joy he doesn't want you to have. Why? Because he hates God. God threw Satan out of heaven. When his name was Lucifer, that's back in Isaiah 14. Through it, he, he threw, God, God threw Lucifer out of heaven because Lucifer wanted to be the big cheese. And God said, you're not the big cheese. I'm the big cheese. So you're out of here. Threw him out of heaven. And Lucifer took one third of all the angels. And I don't know how many angels there are, but they're uncountable. He took one third of all the angels with him. Two thirds remain faithful to God, but he's got one third of all the angels working against you, trying to steal your joy. And Satan hates God. This is why Satan wants to steal your joy. This is the big number one reason why he wants to steal your joy. He hates God. He hates God for deposing him and humiliating him. And he demonstrates that hate for God by using his limited supernatural power to hurt God's people. Let me say that again. Satan demonstrates his hate for God by using the limited, and I emphasize limited, supernatural power that God allows him to have to hurt God's people. That's his way of getting back at God. If you belong to Jesus, you will receive the hate of Satan from the people he works through. You got to know that. that. That's backed up in Scripture. That's just not what I say. Don't listen to what I say. Listen to what Scripture says. John 15, verse 10. Remember, Jesus said, remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, listen, they will persecute you. John 15, 20. When you live righteously and your desire is to please God, you know what's going to happen when you live righteously to please God? Your righteous life is going to magnify somebody's sin. And they're not going to like that. They're going to kind of hate you. I mean, if you don't drink and they do, I mean, if you don't smoke and you have the strength not to smoke and they do, 
I mean, if you don't sleep around or cuss or do internet porn or use foul language or all this and all that because you want to please God and they see that strength in you and they, and they want to do that stuff, and they're going to hate you. But it's not you they hate. It's Christ who you represent that they hate, see? So Satan wants to hurt God's people. He's evil. He's malignant. He's awful. Here's a second reason Satan wants to steal your joy. Because when he does... He takes away your witness. What Satan wants to do is shut you down. He wants you walking around with this big, with this big sign on you, closed down, closed, done. Satan wants to take away your witness. He wants to shut you down. And so he takes away your joy and steals your witness. When you have no joy, he takes away your witness. So you don't lead anybody else to Christ. Remember what we've said so many times, leading a person to Christ is part of a process. One person says this, one person does this, one person says this, one person says this, until finally you chip away at that hard heart. And he doesn't want you to be, he doesn't want you to, he doesn't want you to take those chips to somebody's hard heart. He wants to shut you down good, man. I mean, how attractive are you when you're negative? Or how many people will you win to Christ when they ask you, how are you doing, and you tell them, and they hear no, they hear no signs of victory? I mean, how many people are you going to move toward the cross? When, how are you doing? You know, man, life's tough, you know. Well, that's all right. You got to be, you don't be plastic. You don't want to be plastic. But you don't do that constantly. I mean, your internal joy is going to come out externally, see? I mean, how many people will be attracted to your God when you're living in defeat? When you see no light at the end of the tunnel, when there's no joy, no solidarity at the core, at the core of your being. No God's got this thing, and we're going to make it. The devil will rob you of joy. Here's how he robs you of joy. He takes us down the four D's. And we've considered the, the four D words. This is how Satan steals your joy. He will take you down one level at a time. If you're aware of this, man, just being aware of this is going to really help you say no to the devil and devils that attack you. See, devils have the power of angels, limited supernatural power. They can affect your mind. They can affect how you think. That's John 13 too. The devil put the thought of betraying Christ into Judah's heart. That's his mind. In Job chapter one, um, um, Satan says to God, I've been roaming the earth. I've been going to and fro and God knew that. I've been checking out this guy, Job, a very righteous man. See, I've been checking out this guy, Job. I don't know exactly what the Hebrew word is there, but I've been checking him out. So what does that tell us? That, that, that devils check you out. They check you out, man. Devils are studying you. They know where you're vulnerable. They know your weakness. And with the limited supernatural power God allows them, they mess with your thinking. They mess with your thinking. They mess with your mind. They mess with other aspects of your life, too, because they hate God, and they want to destroy his works, and his works is you, folks, <laughs> and they want to shut down your witness. And so devils take you down the road of the four words that begin with D. First is disappointment. We get disappointed when we expect something, and it doesn't happen, see? I mean, people disappoint us. I'm disappointed with you, she said. You know, I brought all these groceries home and I had to carry them in myself. Where were you? I'm disappointed in you. I expected more out of you, see, and you didn't meet my expectations. Friends disappoint us. Jobs disappoint us. It wasn't what we expected. Come on, when you expect that stuff, it'll never meet your expectations. Never. And the whole deal is God will never disappoint you. God will always be there for you. He will, he will always meet your need in the best possible way. And you just think about his glorious heaven that he holds out for, which we long and we have expectations about heaven. Now that will surpass your wildest expectations and dreams. So it begins with disappointment. Then you get to the second D. You'll get down to discouragement. That's the second D. 
discouraged. Think of it like that. No courage. No courage to go on in this marriage. No will. You're not putting anything into it. Why should I? No will to keep going with commitment. No will to keep loving, giving to a person. You think you can hide it when you're discouraged? I think you can hide disappointment. I think it's real hard to hide discouragement because you say this isn't worth it. We have an all-powerful, loving God, man, who's taken me through everything, and we can do this. With God, all things are possible. You don't say that when you're discouraged. You don't attempt things. You don't take steps of faith. You become the drag on people who want, who want to make something happen. It's written all over you. And devils watch you. They study you. And they take you from disappointment to discouragement. And they'll take you down to the next level. They'll take you down to depression. I call that the tank. And when you are depressed, your world is all about you. God, man, and nature, it's all about you. You can't see anything else but what's happening to you. Everything affects you. And then you get to despair. That's where you see no reason to go on. That's, that's these kids who take their lives because... Um, their boyfriend left or something like that. That's the most negative state there is. But I'll tell you what, that's where devils want you. They want you in the pit of despair. So don't let Satan steal your joy. And there's a number of ways to keep Satan from stealing your joy. The first is you want to have joy. You have to want to reflect the joy of your faith, okay? You have, to want, you have to want joy emanating out from you to other people. And to do this, man, you got to check your attitudes. I do this, I do this daily. I do an attitude check every single day, and I welcome it when people tell me you're getting negative. And so you got to do that attitude check every day. You got to realize you want to emanate joy from within you. And when you're not emanating joy, when you're negative, you got to have people tell you. And you got to have you you, you got to want you got to want to emanate joy and, and be grateful when people tell you you're getting negative. Number two. Based nothing on feelings and everything on the truth of God's word. You don't feel like doing this. Do it anyway. Did Jesus feel like riding into Jerusalem on a donkey knowing what was awaiting him? No, he didn't, but he did it anyway, right? You don't always feel love. That's Satan trying to take you from disappointment to discouragement to depression to despair. I mean, that's, that's your feeling. And then you look at truth. I just perusing the Bible and I looked at Psalm 40, verse 1. David said, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. Now that word hit me in the face, my. That's very personal. It means you're loved. Verse 2, what did God do when David cried out? He lifted me out of the slimy pit. Anybody relate to that? <laughs> I, I relate to this, this big time. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of mud and mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. And then guess what he did? He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God, and many will see and fear, and they will put their trust in the Lord because God brought you out of the slimy pit, and the joy that was internal became external. See? With God, all things are possible. Here's what you got to do to learn to counteract those four Ds. The first thing is you have to want to emanate that joy and check your attitude. Number two, you, you, you've got to base, base what you do on Scripture, not on feelings. And number three, you've got to learn to pray totally differently. You've got to understand what's happening, man. There's supernatural forces of evils that want to steal your joy. These supernatural forces want to make you negative, resentful, miserable, so you give off a terrible witness. And you've got to understand what's happening and understand you're in war. This is spiritual warfare. And you've got to understand this. You're a natural being. And Satan is a supernatural being. You've got to know you are no match for Satan. You are no match for Satan. And people will tell you God gave you authority over devils. He gave authority to 12 apostles, not to us. 
we are not the 12 apostles. Yeah, I mean, and you got to go to the Father who does have authority over God and say, Father God, if, if this is from devils, remember, and remember, not everything is from Satan, okay? Father, then send your angels. Fight this battle for me. And you pray that every day. You pray that a hundred times a day until you see results. Because there's war in the heavenlies. And the devil wants to take you down. And you have to pray that persistently and you got to pray it consistently that God will send his warring angels and fight this battle for you because... Because it's got to be one up there before it's ever going to be one down here. See, it's got to be one up there first. So what have you done so far? You've admitted you want joy. You want to be a joyful witness. You've examined your attitude. You've turned to truth and not feelings. You've told yourself repeatedly feelings come and go, but this is solid. You, you, you understand what's happening. You, you understand the battle, and you go to the Father and say, Father, you've got to fight this battle for me. And finally, you nip this in the bud, and it begins with disappointment. You've got to nip this thing with disappointment. When you expect a lot out of someone, and he or she lets you down, if you don't nip it right then, you're going to go down. You're going to go down to discouragement. You're going to go down to depression, and I pray you never get to despair, but I'll tell you what, you've got to nip this thing at disappointment. See, when someone disappoints you, you got to look for the good in them. When something you expected to happen doesn't, you make the most of your circumstances. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of truth to this. It's not in the Bible, but when somebody hands you lemons, man, you make lemonade. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.